Maz, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Bad. Bad? <laughs> Why bad? No, no, not bad. We're just we're having a frustrating day in the office today because yeah. the city of De Pere has decided that I guess today is the day to cut down a bunch of trees and bushes in yeah. our neck of the woods. Of course. Why not? So yeah, starting around 10 o'clock this morning, I started to hear this buzzing in my audio in the booth. And I was like, what's that? What's going on? What's happening? Yeah. Well, dear listeners, <laughs> it's this giant truck with a crane on it and men with chainsaws. And then behind the giant truck is this tree shredder thing. Mm -hmm. Think Fargo. Yeah. Um, it's one of those. And so, yeah. And so far, they've made their way about, I don't know, 200 yards down the alley. Yeah. They're currently parked right behind the building. We're rolling the dice We're, right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully they don't uh, make more noise. But yeah, so that's that's cut into my workday a little bit, which is always frustrating. Mm -hmm. The woes of being self-employed mm -hmm. narrator. You have to set your own schedule, and sometimes that is completely disrupted yes. by city workers. What with what with the noises mm -hmm. and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but what are you what are you working on? What's new with you? Um, still trucking away at. Uh, I, I want to say find the gin too. That's not what it's called. It's not even like the series name, but in my brain, that's what I always refer to it as. Wild contracts too. Mm -hmm. You um, found the gin. I found the gin. Okay. He's he's been found. Mm -hmm. So this is beyond that point now. Mm -hmm. Um, actually I've been doing really, really well. Like once I untangled that weird plot problem I was having, now it's just been full steam ahead. Okay, like, good. Just really putting down words, which is awesome. Um, playing around with some flash fic or slash fiction and, um, I'm, I'm right at the finish line for that dinosaur, um, anthology thing that mm. I have to finish up, but I can't like, I'm right at the like steamy part and I keep coming back to it being like, not right now. Cause those are like sometimes very frustrating to write. Like it's some of the best parts in the book, but for me, I, and I think a lot of MM romance authors get this way where we're just like, not right now. Cause you've got to think of like all the positions and like how you want it to work out. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, I'm just not in the mood for it. Right. So I keep opening it and being like, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm just like mm. going to the next thing. So, but hopefully next week I can be like, Hey, I'm done with it. I just sat down and just <laughs> knocked it out. But we'll, well see. Hey, yeah. listeners. <laughs> Make sure to follow up with Maz yeah. and see how like, that Hey, how's, it's a uh, Saturday. What you doing? Yeah, right. <laughs> Put down Baldur's Gate. Go finish your fucking story. Has that been taking up your time as predicted? It actually has it. Well, you know what? It's been kind of, but not because we've been playing the game. It's been trying to get everything working so we can play the game. So we've been like. Do I even want to know what that means? It's just a bunch of bullshit. Okay. I mean, like ordering things and it not working and trying to troubleshoot this thing. So we finally actually were able to sit down and play last night co-op at like eight o'clock. I go to bed at nine. Mm -hmm. so I was like, yay. And then went to bed. Right. So hopefully this week I can actually play it more. <laughs> it works. It Good works. Night. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so I made my character and was like, yay, my elf boy is pretty. I decided to go elf instead of dragon as if anyone gives a shit. Okay. And uh, I, no, I think this is important. I think that people yeah. care. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. I, I decided to not do a dragon because I thought the makeout scenes would be goofy. And Alex was like, do you really want to be? Because I was like, it'd be funny. It'd be so funny. And he's like, is that what you want though? You want it to be funny? And I was like, Mm. I don't. I want it to be steamy. So mm. I actually made an attractive, pretty male, like elf boy okay. instead of my hot dragon boy that I originally thought I was going to roll. Well, you know what? You can always try again later. Yeah, I can I can re-roll and do something else with mm -hmm. a dragon. Right. There you go. So. Yeah. 
So a very productive week for you. Yeah, a very productive evening yesterday. I spent like an hour crafting a character and then went to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's sort of like writing a book. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I figured something out and go, okay, I got it. I didn't put any words down, but I figured it out. Yeah. Good night. <laughs> what have you been working on, Kurt? Uh, I started uh, a new series this week. Through oh, Podium Audio. Um, it is a fantasy series, so who knows? Maybe we'll start, we'll get in touch with the authors and bring them on. Um, but the book is called Dragon's Dawn by Sam Burns and W.M. Fox. Ooh, I love them. Really? Yeah, oh, I really good. like Sam and, and W. W. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've read, I forgot which one I read, but it was a, a, like two years ago. It was some really cool magic-y one that, takes place in like a university i'll have to dig through my oh yeah yeah it was really fun well, I really i'm so liked glad it. you're already familiar with the authors yeah that yeah makes they're great hopefully life a little bit easier yeah i've got i got to meet them at grl a couple of years too and they're just like they're wonderful Fantastic. they're a delight guess yeah. who's doing the reach out yeah yeah i'll send them an email and be like hey <laughs> yeah so i just started it's a co-narrated series okay. um i'm working with a new co-narrator and um yeah so far i'm really liking the the whole world that they've built. Mm-hmm. Um, I get to pull out my Russian accent. Lovely. So that's always fun. Yeah. Um, in the world of accents, the Russian one is actually, I think, one of the easier ones. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's been, it's been when I could record today yeah. for those couple hours, <laughs> it was a good, it was a good day. So um, hopefully I'll still be able to wrap that up tomorrow because it's a co-narration. I'm only actually doing half the book. Mm-hmm. And then I start Gardens and Ghosts because Exciting. it has to come out next Friday. Yeah, <laughs> so well, that's fun. We have to actually record it at some point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that can, little piece of the puzzle. Uh, you know, yeah, that, that tiny one. little detail. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm pulling like an indie author move where it's going to be like done probably the day before it comes out. Nice. Well, that's kind of fun. <laughs> Look at me. Yeah. Look at me. The the glory of releasing your own audiobooks. Yeah, exactly. And not, not having to depend on a distributor to like approve it and never knowing when it's going to come out. Yeah, that's always kind of a, like, I'm appreciative to Tantor for picking up as many books as I have because otherwise I probably wouldn't have been able to do it at that stage in my career. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it takes a hot minute for them to go through their channels and their proofing and than ACX and all that nightmare stuff. So yeah, it's kind of nice being able to be like, Oh, we'll just Friday, you know, like yeah. we'll just, be, it'll be ready yeah. by then. So. It'll be, it'll be ready nice. and it will come out. Yeah. So it has, it'll be ready before Friday. Cause mm-hmm. <laughs> spoiler alert. Although I don't know what this doesn't spoil anything for anybody. It's just like a heads up, a production note, maybe like yeah. I am actually going to my nephew's wedding next weekend. So it's I'll fine. be out of the office for a while. Mm-hmm. It'll be a busy week of recording because yeah, we trying have to, to do, fit everything in. <laughs> yeah, we have to do a lot next week before yeah. I leave on my vacation. Um, a vacation. It is a vacation. I'm sure family part weddings of it will are be a fun. vacation. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't know how your family family operates, but even with my family, that is, I love them to death. But oh my god, there's like little bits that are fun in between the like dad please stop talking situations mm. so <laughs> well this is with my in-laws mm, okay. so generally they're very pleasant to be around the okay. only issue i have when we do the family visits is just the alone time factor because like i'm uh, i'm an introvert i need alone time to recharge my batteries mm-hmm. and there's very little of it that's fair but my in-laws, I think, have actually gotten used to the fact that sometimes I just need to peace out and be by myself. And like, yeah. why is Kurt sitting in that room all by himself? Because he needs to. Yeah. <laughs> he just well, needs good. to be alone. 
Yeah. If they're, if Give they're him like, an hour. Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's, that's all good. And, and it will be exciting. I guess just, there's just that part of my brain that thinks like if you're going to another location for a reason that you wouldn't otherwise be going to that event mm-hmm. or that, that location, then it's not truly a vacation. I feel you. You know? Yeah. Like we're going to Minnesota because our nephew's getting married. Yeah. That's yeah. the event. We're there for that. And all the other things that come with it. And then we're hanging out with, with the in-laws for a few days after. So I feel you. Cause like me and Alex try to go back to Texas every year and we're, we actually are skipping this year so we can try to do our own vacation because mm. going back to Texas while great. And I get to see my friends and family and stuff. It's still like going with an agenda. Like right. it's expected that I go see all these people. I have to drive everywhere. You know, I'm, I'm, shoved into a guest bedroom instead of like at a like a private situation so we're like in my in-laws house or like my parents house mm-hmm. or something so it's kind of a vacation but also work and right. i mean that if i'm sure my mom will pick this up at some point love you mom <laughs> <laughs> right. I, this, i'm not saying it's, it's a job, not work but, it's, but yeah. there are obligations right yeah and to me it's not a vacation unless you are obligation free yeah yeah like no i'm that. right there with you otherwise it's a trip you're mm-hmm. taking a trip you're going for a visit yeah. It is not a true vacation. Yeah. So although big news on uh the home front from Red Lake Falls, Minnesota. Oh. My in-laws finally put a queen bed in my husband's old bedroom. Nice. So I will we will actually get to sleep together <laughs> in my husband's childhood bedroom. <laughs> nice. Because we did that a couple of times in mm-hmm. his twin bed from when when he was a kid and Oh my god. That's nice. Then we started sleeping in separate rooms because <laughs> yeah. I was like, no. I'm no, not, I would have taken one I'm look at this and been anymore. like, no, no, love no. you. I'll see you in the morning. You know, <laughs> when you're new, when you're the new guy, you don't yeah. make waves. That's Even true. me. I was like, no, it's fine. It'll be great. We'll just sleep sideways and not move. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that is exciting. Speaking of taking vacations mm-hmm. from jobs, <laughs> people may have noticed that over the last couple of weeks, you have talked about your day job. Yes. And I have not. <laughs> yes. We live uh, different lives when it comes to jobs. Boy, yeah. boy, do we. Mm-hmm. So I thought it's something we could dive into just a little bit today. Probably only scratch the surface of it, really. Yeah. About why it is that an independent author has a day job <laughs> and an independent audiobook narrator doesn't. Yes. So do you want to talk a little bit about what it means to be an independent author and like the economics of it. Yeah. So it, I, of course this all boils down to like where you are in your career and like what you write and things like that. So for me personally, I've been doing self publishing stuff for like five years, a little over five years. And I'm at the point now where I can fold what I make from my sales into like better production, but that's kind of it. Like I can afford to pay my cover artist on time. So Portia doesn't have to wait for me to like two months down the road, be like, Hey, I have enough to pay you for your time. Mm-hmm. So I can pay her on time. I can afford better editing instead of it being volunteer based, which is what it was for the first like two years of my publishing. It right. was just people doing favors for each other because I couldn't afford anything else. So I can afford like, uh, to run consistent ads, um, on like Facebook, Amazon, Instagram, um, I think I maybe did it on Twitter once, but I Twitter. So X. Yeah, X, Twitter X. Mm-hmm. I've refused to call it X. It's stupid. So it's at least Twitter X. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's at this point, it's a slow crawl, but it's a lot of 
testing stuff to see if it works. Um, a, a lot more misses than hits. So there's a lot of things where I'll, I'll dump money into and be like, oh, that super didn't work. Cool. Mm. That's a couple hundred bucks that I can't get back. Right. So it just, but you know, I've got peers who have been doing it less time than me who are, you know, this is their full-time gig. That's all they do. Um, and of course people's situations are all different too. I, I have no idea what their personal life is like, but for me as somebody who I have no kids, I'm just married to a person and it's just us joined together, making things work. Mm-hmm. I don't make enough from just my base sales to do more than just either put like try to elevate the book a little bit more. And like, occasionally I'll be able to like pay for groceries or something be like, yay, I helped. <laughs> but I still have like, a cons- Maz helped. Yeah. yeah. Matt, I was like, don't worry. math has dinner tonight because mm-hmm. I could afford to right. drop. Like I, I could take us out to eat sometimes. Um, but yeah, I still have to have a full nine to five day job Monday through Friday because I have to be able to keep the lights on. And there's just no way I can do that with sales right now right. because it's just the nature of the beast. Mm-hmm. Well, because I mean, there are so there's so much content now, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. readers have so many things to choose from. Right. Um, and as a result, your piece of the pie, unless it becomes outsized. Yeah. Like the average self-published author's piece of the pie is enough to, like you said, sort of reinvest in their business. Yeah. But not yet enough to live off of, which right. is insane, because if you think about how much money. Amazon makes on self-published authors Mm -hmm. like they are making a killing on what you guys are producing and you get such a small portion of it for, for, for creating more work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird thing because I was, especially with this year, they've, they've slashed the royalties even more and like, it just keeps getting worse and worse. But at the same time, that's where most of the readers are, are like Kindle, especially Kindle Unlimited, which I'm not, you know, if you're on Kindle Unlimited and you're enjoying the content that way, keep doing that. That's great. I'm not saying don't do that at mm-hmm. all because I, there's a lot of, especially right now, because uh, within the MM romance community, we're pretty transparent about like why we charge as much as we do or like how our financial standings are. So people are aware, like why a lot of us are doing Patreons or like trying to diversify because the what we're making on these platforms which is kind of our only avenue unless we are willing to take a huge pay cut and we already don't make a ton so Mm -hmm. if we wanted to try to branch out from amazon and go wide and be in like barnes and noble and stuff that is like starting all the way back over which a lot of i can't do that right now Mm -hmm. like if i would have to be like i'm okay with making literally zero money or negative money for like three months until i can kind of start building up those little audiences everywhere else. Cause there's the people who are on KU aren't going to Barnes and Noble. Why would they do that? You know? So it's a totally different audience. So it's, it's just one of those things trying to find that middle ground of like, what's working, what can I financially like push the boundaries of without like folding in on myself, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, not locking myself into such a tiny box that I'm like, I guess I'll just never make past this amount. So it's, it's tricky. Yeah. Well, and that's when you see people railing against Amazon or Audible, Mm -hmm. the reason is because they don't pay the people who are creating the content enough by any measure. They just don't pay them enough. Um, But at the same time, we can't in good conscience tell an author, oh, just don't go on Amazon. And I can't tell an author like, oh, don't, don't do the exclusive deal with Audible. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Because if that's where 80% of your market is, right. you'd be cutting off your nose to spite your face to yeah. say, well, I'm just not going to go there then. People will find me elsewhere. Mm-hmm. No, they won't. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's almost a monopoly on the self-publishing market. And for yeah. a very long time, ACX slash Audible was a monopoly on the self-publishing uh, audiobook market. Yeah. There are a few other options now, but I can tell you from experience, they don't pay back as well as as Amazon does because Amazon is still where most of the sales are. Mm -hmm. So if you go through somebody else that's then going through Amazon, you're just cutting your profits at each stage. Right. Because eventually it's going through Amazon. Yeah. Like you, it's unavoidable and it's unfortunate and I, nobody likes that situation, but it's, that's how the industry is right now. Like mm-hmm. it, it's either you somehow you play ball, you are on Amazon, you you're making at least something and then you try to make it up in different avenues. Or sometimes people, I there's plenty of people who have gone wide and it worked out great. And now they've got all these different revenue streams and they're, they're kicking ass. Mm-hmm. But the majority of people, that's not how it works. Right. That's not their life at all. Like I think I know one or two people who are wide, whereas everyone else I know is KU. Mm-hmm. So. So much depends on what else is going on in in your life as a creative person. Like, yeah. I don't know that I would be a full-time audiobook narrator if we hadn't moved to Green Bay mm-hmm. because that move is what allowed me to quit my old job right. and say, well, let's buy a house with only your income in mind, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, let's, <laughs> yeah. let's buy a modest house so that we, so that I have time to be basically unemployed Mm -hmm. and see if I can start a business. Right. You know, and I was a little bit established when I started that journey, Mm -hmm. but like I had less than 50 books out, maybe, maybe 40 or less. I mean, it wasn't much, Yeah, but it was like, if ever there was a time to give it a shot, Mm -hmm. it was this time. But I often say to people who ask me how and when I did it is I would not have had the time to be a full-time audiobook narrator until I was a full-time audiobook narrator. Right. Yeah. Because it took that time to be able to market myself and get in front of people and say, give me more work. Mm-hmm. And yes, I am available for the work that you want to give me. I don't have to push you off because I'm busy that month and stuff like that. Right. So it's almost like until you have the time, you'll never have the time. Yeah. Right. Like it's 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 a weird backwards puzzle. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I was able to be in a situation where I could write full-time and just start producing a ton of words and... And that's a whole different journey of training your brain to be that kind of person because I've got my nine to five job that I know I have to sign in at this time and I get to leave at this time. But if you took those guardrails away, I'd have to train myself to be like, no, I have to sit down and put on the Maz hat and work for eight hours because I have the time. I have eight hours to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So even then, that's got to be its own journey. Like, I, I, you know, it. I don't know if you had that same issue like when you went full time. I still have that issue. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I don't want to do this today. It's but, hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the hardest part of what I do is, is the making yourself do it. Yeah. When there's no coworkers to compare yourself against, there's mm-hmm. no boss to answer to. Right. Um, and like, I am just a bad self-discipliner, you know? <laughs> That's fair. Like, I don't. I don't tell myself like you need to get to work right now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise tomorrow you is going to have more work to do because today you didn't do it. Yeah. Like some people are better at that. I'm not one of them. That's I think fair. a lot of creative people I talk to aren't great at that. Yeah. <laughs> the self-motivation part. Yeah. That's I, I, 
I would hope I would be okay at it, but I'm I'm sure I'd have days where I'd be like, I'm not feeling it and I don't want to. And I think that's natural and you mm-hmm. just have to plan those. Yeah. Like not know, like you're never going to know when they are. Mm-hmm. You almost have to build in time in every project to be like, there are going to be some days where my brain, in my case, where my brain and my mouth, they're not talking to each other. <laughs> yeah. So that's fair. we just had like, try for a while, mm-hmm. give it your best shot. But yeah, there are some days where it's like, my mouth isn't mouthing today. My brain isn't braining. Mm-hmm. And go do something else. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not, you're not gonna, you can't force your way through those sorts of Yeah, not when it comes to like creative stuff. It's, that's a whole different, like I can force myself to do day job things. Like if I've got to do emails because and Because you're accountable to somebody else. Yeah, I have to. You and know? usually that project or that task has a pretty limited set of strictures yeah like you know what you have to get done Mm -hmm. you know when it begins you know when it ends yeah done exactly there's it's never ending when you're freelance Mm -hmm. because you're always working on the next thing yeah (laughs) you know yeah and so anytime you take for yourself i remember when i first started like i would feel so guilty to not be working it's part of the reason i have an office instead of working from my home Mm. because if i could be working from my home, then it would feel like, shouldn't I be working if I have any free time? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. That is, I, I really struggle with that for even just the tiny windows of time that I get because I'll get home. Um, and Mondays I've, I've officially made Mulligan Mondays. Like I don't do any creative stuff on Mondays Good. because I'm like too tired because I'm, I'm going back to work and, and things like that. So I'll get, I would get home, make some dinner, sit down and like try to like switch gears I just could not do it. And I always, I always feel like shit when I'm not putting some words down because I'm comparing myself to my peers or I feel like I'm letting the readers down because it takes me longer to get books out because I'll take an entire evening to just be a blob because my creative juices are just not there. I'm Mm -hmm. too tired. So yeah, I still struggle with that crap. Like I'll have an entire afternoon and I'll get like a thousand words down and be like, I could have done more. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. okay, but maybe that's all you can do today. Right. That's fine. Right. But if you have too many of those in a row, it's like, okay, no, now you gotta. Yeah, right. Now you have to buckle down and actually get get shit done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, every job, grass is always greener. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go back to working a job in an office again if I can avoid it. (laughs) That's fair. I I can't imagine ever going back into customer service. I've had too many years of not having to deal with coworkers or customers. Mm So those, yeah, those muscles have atrophied. (laughs) The ability to deal with other people's bullshit is low. (laughs) So, yeah, if this, if, if robots take over my job, um, like they want to, (laughs) I don't know what the next step will be, but it it probably will not be a, a job where a lot of other people are. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to have to stay independent at this point. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm sure this will be an ongoing theme, but that's mm-hmm. a little bit of insight into the, the world of the working author and the working narrator. Uh, and it is different worlds. Oh, yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, uh, it, there are people who do it, but there's just no way I would have my output if I wasn't doing this full time. Yeah. I would not be able to go to a job, work eight hours, and then also get done, you know, six hours in the booth. Yeah, there's to, no way. To push out what I need to push out every day. Mm-hmm. It's just... Not mentally or physically sustainable. Yeah. So part of the cure for that, as you mentioned, is, right. is our Patreon. <laughs> you know, this this is one way for us when 
when corporations don't want to pay us what we are worth, we mm -hmm. can appeal to the people who enjoy our content and say, hey, if you want to chip in a little bit more just to let us continue to be creative and create content for you. That's what Patreon is there for. Um, as we already discussed, our Patreon is launching today Yay! when listeners are listening to this episode. So yeah. if you are hearing this, you can right now go find Hoof and Fang on Patreon and you mm -hmm. can support us at one of two levels. Yep. We have our dear reader level at $5. Uh, so those are for people who enjoy the podcast and want to get all the extra perks that come with being on Patreon, mm -hmm. including bonus episodes, bonus interviews, and some other things coming down the line. Right. We'll discuss that in a moment. Or there is the dear listener level. Mm -hmm. That's a $10 a month Patreon subscription. And if you are at the dear listener level, each month you will get an audiobook. Yeah. A full length audiobook. Uh, the first one of which will be Gardens and Ghosts. Yes. The Relic audiobook number five uh, that is releasing in print and ebook and audiobook all on the same day. Yeah. One week from today, mm -hmm. September 22nd. Yes. Um, and just a reminder if you didn't hear it before, you must have the Book Funnel account and app mm -hmm. set up in order to download the audiobook. So yep. if you're joining us at that dear listener level, or if you want to purchase the audiobook a la carte independently, yes. yep. either way, you will need that book funnel book funnel account to actually receive the files and listen. Right. And the so. book funnel account is free. So Yeah. 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 So really except for you the just have to sign up for except it. for the hassle of giving one more company your email. Right. And downloading <laughs> another app to your phone. Yeah. Which I think we all roll our eyes at at one point or another. For sure. I'm the same way. <laughs> um that is the only downfall of of needing book funnel. It yeah. is free and it's a really easy to use app. So yeah. All right. So one thing that we have not talked to folks about mm -hmm. is how the Patreon can grow. Yeah. So we decided early on that we didn't want to have six, seven, eight tiers where we are producing content for people who pay more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't have like it's it was more of a we don't want it to make it inaccessible. And we also didn't want to overburden ourselves with so many things because mm -hmm. we're trying to do all these different tiers of things. Like I've seen some really cool paid Patreon pages where they've got like crazy stuff that they're doing every month. And I don't know how they're doing it. They're superhuman, but mm -hmm. yeah, that was, we were like, we're going to have to restructure this to right. make it make sense for us. Well, and because I mean, you, you can have those crazy things at high tiers, but mm -hmm. then like if even one person subscribes at that tier, you've got to make that thing. Yeah. And it might only be enjoyed by one person. Right. Literally, it could be one person. Yeah. Yeah. At like a crazy high tier. Yeah. yeah. So then you're, you're having to do that tier and everything below it. Mm -hmm. And that just didn't make sense for us. Right. Um, and also, if we're going to create stuff. We want people to enjoy it. Yeah. That's we want people to actually listen to right. it. Right. Yeah. I want people to enjoy the, like the amount of work that we put into these things. Mm -hmm. It's like the more eyes, the better. So, right. yeah. So it's less about uh, how much you're willing to pay and mm -hmm. more about how much are you willing to help us promote yeah. the podcast. Uh, so if you want more things to come from Hoof and Fang, uh, we're counting on you to help us bring more people into the fold. Mm -hmm. So we already have the bonus episodes. Like we said, we already have the one audiobook per month for the uh, dear listener level. Mm -hmm. If we get to 100 subscribers, what will we do? 
we are going to do a monthly live stream episode. So we'll jump on either on Patreon or Discord or something. And uh, we're going to do a live broadcast where readers can pop on, like message us questions, shoot the shit, and we'll make an episode out of it. And you guys can join us for the episode, which would be really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Then at 250 subscribers. Um, I'm going to start doing some fun little Maz Universe slash fiction. So slash fiction to me means like just slice of life fun fictions within my universe. So relic short stories, maybe some Stallion Ridge stuff. I'm thinking about doing some crossovers, like maybe Stallion Ridge boys and the Relic boys boys find a portal and they talk to each other. I don't know. (laughs) It's like just some fun, like some of it will be canon. Some of it won't be just like just fun little extra bonus stuff for people because I like to write it. And I know that people enjoy fun little extra little bits of those universes. Right. Yeah. I'll start producing those, Mm -hmm. which is fun. And we will also bring those in audio. Oh, yes. So there will be Mm -hmm. additional audio content Mm -hmm. uh, from those short stories. Speaking of Stallion Ridge. <laughs> this is the one I think I'm most excited about. I am. You know what? Honestly, I am too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, at 500 subscribers, mm-hmm. if we can get to 500, which would be amazing. Phenomenal. Yeah. It would be amazing. Um, Maz has written a whole series, the Stallion Ridge mm-hmm. series. How many books was it? Seven? Seven. Yeah. Seven books yeah. um, that have never come to audio. Mm-hmm. And we're not just going to bring them to audio. Instead... I think they are tailor-made to be like the the gay romance version of an old-timey radio show. I love that idea so much. So if we get to 500 subscribers, we will be creating the Stallion Ridge Radio Plays. Yes. So it'll be an episodic <laughs> version of the stories as they mm-hmm. unfold, um, made with character actors. Yes. Sound effects music like really bring it to life yeah it will not be a verbatim audiobook Mm -hmm. instead it will be that episodic radio play version of stallion ridge it's like tune in next week to find out yeah exactly it's gonna be a blast like i'm i'm like come on man let's get to my right i want it so bad (laughs) not too quickly no but (laughs) you know what if we have to make one next month because we suddenly have 500 subscribers oh well we'll do it right we'll make it work bring it on (laughs) bring it on for sure um speaking of things that scare the hell out of me if we get there too fast We got ambitious with these goals. I hope so. I hope this was ambitious Mm -hmm. enough because, again, if we just suddenly jump all these goals, it's going to be like next month's going to be busy. (laughs) Um, So the next tier is going to be at 750 subscribers. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, you've committed to doing two audiobooks a month. So that means our dear listeners will get two audiobooks a month, which is so cool for them. Mm-hmm. Lots of work for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, it does not have to be 750 dear listener subscribers. Mm-hmm. So even yeah, people who just... are at the $5 level, you right. count towards that number. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're buying the books a la carte from our online store. Right. But yeah, if we are at 750, we will go from one audiobook a month to two audiobooks a month. Yep. Um, which I, the part of that that really makes me excited is... I'm really hoping that we will be able to serve a segment of the author population that doesn't usually get served, Mm -hmm. which would be those people who have put in the work and they've created these great stories, um, but they don't have the sales yet. They don't have the savings yet um, to invest in audiobooks. This was, I hope, will be a really great way to bring stories that otherwise would never make it to audio 
to audio, mm-hmm. um, but with a human voice yes, and not doing AI narration, right. which sucks. Yes. Yeah. This is, that's, I'm really excited about that because there's, I, there's so many amazing authors I know who put out these beautifully written masterpieces of storytelling. And, you know, we, back to the previous conversation, it just takes so long to get to the point where you can just put things in savings instead of just folding it back into ads and mm-hmm. things like that, that it's just, it's hard to really put that kind of weight behind a audiobook production because, you know, it understandably costs a lot to produce them. And not, right. not everyone is as fortunate enough as me where Tantor reaches out and is like, hey, we'll, you know, we'll pick it up for you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen for a lot of people who have epic stuff out there. Right. So. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed. One, so we want to hit that level. Mm-hmm. Two, we need we we need to hear from the authors who mm-hmm. think their work might might work for us. Yeah. In this context. So for sure. more details to come on that soon. And then our last goal, if we hit one thousand subscribers, mm-hmm. huge goal. Yep. Absolutely huge. Um we will create original radio plays. It won't just be Stallion Ridge stuff. It'll be It won't brand be an adaptation. Mm-hmm. It will be brand new, original characters, original plots. Yeah. Um, it will be, yeah. It'll be like a brand new series. That, yeah. Exclusive hoof and fang kind mm-hmm. of situation. So. Yes. So, so that's, that's where we're at, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, we anticipate that it will take time to reach all of these goals. Yeah. Prove us wrong, yeah. please. Yeah, I was about to say, if you'd like to prove us wrong. Amen. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. oh. Um, but yeah, so we, we assume that it will take some time to reach these goals. Um, yeah. uh, we will be very excited to, to hit our first goal of 100 subscribers so we can start doing those monthly live streams and start interacting with people uh, on, a, on a more regular basis, yeah. actually talking, uh, actually chatting. So, so yeah, that's... Uh, that is that. All right. So today uh, we have our interview with author Tavia Lark. Um, Tavia Lark writes MM fantasy romance and erotica. Her favorite romance tropes include hurt slash comfort, sharing a bed. I like that one. And enemies to lovers. I like that one. I struggle with that one. I know. Um, she is the author of the Perilous Courts series, which I co-narrate with John Solo, um, as well as the Radiance series. Here is our conversation with Tavia Lark. Welcome to the Hoof and Fang podcast, Tavia Lark. Hi, thanks so much for having me. We're very excited to chat with you about... Uh, queer speculative fiction, particularly the Perilous Court series, which I know a thing or two about because I have the pleasure of narrating them with John Solo. Uh, but before we get into anything specific, I'd love to just find out a little bit more about who you are, where you're from, and how you got into writing. All right. So I, like a lot of writers, I've been writing since forever. Um, the first book I ever started to write was a children's book that I was calling I was around, you know, age seven, and I called it The White Philly. I just read The Black Stallion, and I didn't want to be copying it. So I changed the words to The White Philly, and it was totally different. Um, but more recently, uh, I played around with self-publishing in 2016, writing uh, M.M. Erotica, because I had written a lot of fan fiction, and that seemed like a good... Uh, you know, something to play around with. Um, 
took a break from that when my day job got busier. And then, like a lot of people, I got laid off due to the pandemic in a, like, kind of shitty way. Uh, my boss told us we were being furloughed, implying it was temporary, and then just never got back to us. Um, so I have dedicated one of my books to my boss for ghosting me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and oh my God. After, after a few months of trying to find a, a job in my area, in my field, during the pandemic, I decided maybe self-publishing again would be easier. So I went to, back to um, writing and publishing as a, an easier job to get. Uh, not saying it's easy. Um, and I, I wanted to see if MM Fantasy, which is you know, really where my, where my heart lies, uh, would be enough to support me. And if The Necromancer's Light, which was my, my first book coming back, um, if that had tanked, I would have pivoted to werewolves, um, even though that's, that's not exactly my favorite, but I thankfully did not have to pivot to werewolves, and I am still writing fantasy romance right now. So, so werewolves are popular? Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> a little bit. I'm going to go you, on a you limb. Might have heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You might have heard. Um, yeah. They're here and there. But yeah, I, I don't like um, paranormal world building as much as second world fantasy, just from a writer's perspective. So from a non-writer, what does what you just said mean? <laughs> what is the difference um, between paranormal and second world fantasy? So paranormal is, it's more set in the real world. And it's like, it's our normal world, but there's werewolves or vampires. So Twilight is paranormal, but um, fantasy could be set in our world, or it could also be set in a second world. So Game of Thrones set on Westeros would be second world. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I like knew that term, but I didn't know it by that name. So I have learned something today. I usually cool. sell my books as high fantasy because that is a more broadly known term than second world and i don't want to turn off people who might think oh that sounds like kind of specific and weird well like um, if if i didn't know it was high fantasy and you said second world i would almost think maybe sci-fi because i'm thinking like exactly I'm planet or something like my brain yeah. goes the wrong direction but yeah. yeah high fantasy i get i was like oh yeah elves nights, exactly dragons, exactly yeah mm -hmm. so yeah my first answer was uh, me writing shop talk and yeah high fantasy is when i'm talking to readers <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so you said the Necromancer's Light was your first book, sort of trying to make the fantasy MM work for you. So what is yeah. that book about and what is the world that you've built for that series? So that is my Radiance series. And the first book is about a necromancer whose dark magic means that he'll die without human touch. And you can see kind of how that would lend itself like to a romance <laughs> because yeah, that's, also that's everyone awesome. dislikes him because he's a necromancer so he needs touch but nobody wants to be near him so he's constantly cold and sad um i hurt comfort is my favorite trope i could read nothing but hurt comfort until the day i die and be completely happy so a, a lot of my books have a 
oh no, this beautiful man is so sad. And then he <laughs> finds another kind of sad man and they make each other less sad. I feel like if you put that in your blurb, like, you know how people put it like a recap at the bottom? Just put, oh, no, there's a sad, beautiful man who needs another sad, beautiful man. I think yeah. that would be like a one click for a lot of people. I'd I, be think, like, I think like my Facebook that. page description might be I write about sad magic boys falling in love. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, that's, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's apt. <laughs> if you drill down to the core of my like literary thesis, that's it. <laughs> Uh, so what is it about those worlds that like you're drawn to? So I just like, I've always been a fantasy fan. Um, my dad got me into Lord of the Rings when I was around eight. So I, and I was checking out Tamara Pierce from the school library. So the first, um, like queer book I really remember reading was Mercedes Lackey's The Last Herald Mage which you go there if you want another thesis statement on a sad, magical man falling in love a lot. Um, Good to know. I know I have that book like in my basement. Yeah, I will. um, If you don't mind spoilers for a book that was published in 1989, uh, it ends tragically for this sad, beautiful gay man. And so not a happily ever after. It is not a romance. No. Um, and yeah, I read that at a very formative age and that was just like, I was maybe 13 or 14 and I'm reading this and I'm like, oh my God, he's suffering so beautifully. (laughs) (laughs) Like I've never read anything quite like this. It's incredible. And I feel like on some level, all of my writing is a reaction to, you know, 14 year old Tavia really wanting Vaniel to get a happy ending. Mm. So that's one thing I like about fantasy romance specifically is, you know, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna end well. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm curious. And it's, I'm just thinking back now as, as we're talking to like, uh, when we first got the information about perilous court series and like podium made a point of saying, that like it's very much a romance set in a fantasy world and not a fantasy mm-hmm. with like a little bit of romance. So like yeah. how do you approach creating that balance? And if it's not too much to talk about, like is that more because of like how you want to write, or is that to like write to market and make sure that like romance readers will be happy? I am very fortunate that what I want to write is pretty marketable. Um I am like these books, these are my dream books. I am so happy that I am able to keep writing them um, and that people keep reading them. Uh, It's fairly easy to balance the fantasy and the romance, actually. I plot it as a romance, and I don't do too much fantasy world building in advance. Um, I think of it as, like, character-driven world building. So elements like, I knew I wanted same-sex arranged marriages among the royalty. That's going going to be a thing in book five, and it was a thing in book three. So I needed a, a motivation for these noble societies to want to, you know, put their sons together instead of just getting progeny from sons and daughters. And I thought, okay, well, maybe they're passing on magic and getting 
different noble families' um, hereditary magic into the marriage. So the fact that I wanted same-sex arranged marriages for the like character dynamics and the plot inspired the entire magic system for the world building. Yeah, that's very cool. Just so you know, and the listeners at home who, who don't know the book, like that, I, I that was one of the particular aspects of the stories that I was very drawn to is that, um, like the queens, uh, are together and very much like publicly together, but like one of them went and had kids, uh, and it was okay, like they were just considered also part of their family, and like. Oh, it's cool. You know, like yeah. I was like, this is so cool. And then, yeah, I mean, obviously there, there's queerness among uh, the gentlemen as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I just love the way that that was treated as like, I'm not, I'm not a royals person, so I don't know. Like, I'm not either. The Like the familial line or whatever, you know, whatever the ascendancy or descendancy or like all of that nonsense mm-hmm. was, was really all about intention rather than biology. Right. And yeah. so that that made that really like opened up the world for me the first time I was reading it as like, Oh, this is really neat and a different way of thinking about like the Royal family. Yeah, that is cool. That makes it interesting. And you can kind of play around and do a lot with that. Like if it's not tied to just having heirs, like, I mean, obviously it's part of it because they have to, you know, continue the bloodline, but having a different spin on it, that's, that's cool. And like, I'm, I'm with you, like when it comes to building out magical worlds and things like that, I kind of <laughs> come up with it as needed as like the story mm-hmm. progresses. So like, I can, I know where you're coming from when it comes to that, where like, I know this particular thing I want in the story for sure. Now I have to craft the world around it because, well, he's got to get married to this guy and it has to work, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's cool. If I did all the world building in advance, I'd never write a book. I would just be stuck making spreadsheets forever. Yep. Yep, same. One hundred percent. Yeah. That sounds so fun to me. I know you and I my husband. Make, would I want to make spreadsheets yeah. about like magical worlds. Um I was gonna say too, so like did you know in advance, was it like part of the conceit of the story? And by the way, we are talking about perilous courts now, everybody, because like we've transitioned. Oh, yeah, we switched. Um, <laughs> um was it a part of the world building that like the families would have different types of magic? Yes. Specifically? Okay. Yes. And yeah, do you so, know, are there like types of magic that have not yet been introduced? Yes, because I did not want to limit myself in advance. There will be types of magic revealing themselves um, as they become useful to the story, essentially. Um, like one thing, uh, the grails, who are people who are born with like innate reserves of magical power, but they can't use it themselves. So they're basically like magic batteries for other mages. Mm-hmm. I mentioned them once in the first book, and I don't even say that they're people. I just mention like a list of things like, oh, he could have gotten a mansion, he could have gotten a grail um, as a reward. And I, I just kind of toss that off, and then the concept of grails becomes uh, more important later in the series. Um, so did you know in book one... When you were saying that, like, somebody asked for a grail, but it's too hard to get. Yeah. That that the reason was because it would basically be, like, slavery? Yeah. All right. Yeah. See, I, I did not I like, catch that until yeah, just no, I now. Like, I, I kind of tucked it in as, like, a maybe this will be fun for people when they reread after the whole series is over. 
which for sure, you know, yeah. Hopefully, people will enjoy it enough to reread. Yeah. Well, and I think like you're clearly enough of like a fan of reading and these types of stories uh, to think that way. To think mm-hmm. like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna just lay it all out. Uh, there was no like long description in book one about like how you know each family has this these powers and and that thing. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing things that way yeah. either. But like. Yeah, we've we've just kind of discovered things as time goes on. And yet it's never confusing. Mm-hmm. And I never feel like, oh, we were lacking in backstory or I don't quite fully understand how the world works. Um, because you do give the backstory for the story that's happening in mm-hmm. front of us. Yeah, I try to keep world building information need to know or, you know, enough for flavor. But yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of long info dumping here's exactly how the magic system works explanations um i feel like those kind of slow down the story and i'm i'm intentionally trying to write these as kind of like gateway drugs to fantasy so Mm. you know people who already read fantasy i hope they enjoy them too um but i also want them to be very accessible for you know mm romance readers who don't read a lot of fantasy already well, and that soft wor- world building, like that organic wor- world building kind of makes, at least for me as a reader who likes, you know, big lavish worlds and mm-hmm. crazy magic and things like that. When you parse it out in little bites like that on like a need to know basis, it mm-hmm. kind of helps you make the world more real because you're learning stuff as the story's going instead of having to absorb like a textbook's worth of understanding yeah. like the hierarchies and then the banners and the magic system like there's going to be a test at the end of the book. You know what I mean? Like for me being able to immerse into the world and then like rereading and catching little things like that with the grails and being like, Oh, I know what that means now because like (laughs) from book one and things like it's, I, I love that style of world building as a reader so much because it just, it makes me really fall like head first into the world that way. So good job. (laughs) Yeah. A a textbook (laughs) is a great way to, of putting the info dumping because yeah, I don't want yeah. readers to feel like they're studying. Yeah. That's, you know? that's what it feels like. Like I know, I guess the most guilty thing for me would be um, like the first or second song of ice and fire book was kind of like that. Like there was a whole encyclopedia mm-hmm. at the very back that you had to reference when they were talking about <laughs> banners. And I like allowed myself to be, get over that, but I think now I don't have the patience for it. So if I was reading like a high <laughs> fantasy book, and it was expected that I had to like flip pages to mm-hmm. remember somebody's name. I'd be like, I don't care. <laughs> like this is too much work. Yeah, I my husband's a huge Song of Ice and Fire fan, and he often talks about reading the books like with his iPad because he has an app that like lists mm-hmm. out all the people and the places and how they relate to one another. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know if I have to, if I need an app to enjoy a book series, that might be too much. And and look what's happened, like. He, even he can't finish the story because mm-hmm. it's too much. Yeah, there's probably like too many like loose threads that even he's like, I don't know. Oh, I don't remember any of that stuff now, and we're not going to monopolize a conversation. We're talking about Song of Ice and Fire, but there's so much happening in that book, and they're so spaced out. I wouldn't be able to tell you anything of what's going on now. I couldn't just pick up book five or whatever they're on now. Yeah, so. I'm curious if there are any like specific things in the books that you write i'm going to use the fell cats as an example like yes 
how do you like what inspires an element like that? And like you also include like dragons and or even the magic system. Like, is there something that you've read or consumed or just really loved that like was like, oh, this is how I can use that in this world? So one um, behind the scenes secret of my writing is that I like to make up magic fantasy animals because I don't have to worry about real world animals being portrayed incorrectly. So if mm. they are fell cats, which are essentially um, big, colorful tigers with magic powers, if they behave differently than a normal tiger would behave, well, it's not because I got tigers wrong. It's because they're a fell cat. So nice. that is that is one of my secrets. Yeah, no, I like including animal companions in the books because I'm a big animal person, and I think they're a great way of you know, bringing humor into a story. They are a great way of humanizing the characters. Like Whisper, the assassin, he is totally ready to kill Prince Julian, but they bond over liking cats. Um, so inspiration-wise, it's kind of like the world building. They come in as I need them in the story. And then once they're in, I build off of them. So... You know, because I had the fell cats in book one, I was trying to figure out how to get fell cats back into book three because they were really, really popular. And I didn't have any in book two. I just had a teleporting ferret instead, which was mm -hmm. also pretty popular. I was going to say that had to also <laughs> be a, I can't believe, I would not believe it if you were like, yeah, the fans didn't really like that. Oh no, they loved it. <laughs> they loved it. That was so cool. Um, I was, I was very gratified by the response to the teleporting ferret. Um, yeah, like when is the plush toy coming out? Right? Yeah, it's right? kind of the, the Disney principle of, you know, make sure your your content has cute animal companions for merch. Um, they mm. Some not, some of my Patreon tiers do give fell cat stickers or a blink mink mug. So a uh, plug for patreon.com slash Tavia Lark if you want a sticker of Rumi and... Uh, Fisk the Felcat. But yeah, so like for book three, I was thinking, how do I get Felcats back in here? And then I just had this like lightning strike epiphany. And these lightning strikes are like, they're so helpful. You cannot count on them at all. But every once in a while, <laughs> you just get slammed with inspiration. And I realized I could have baby Felcats. Yeah, yeah. And I had baby Felcats. I I, re I viscerally, viscerally remember my reaction when I was prepping book three because I think it was literally like, oh no, she didn't. <laughs> like, I, like of course there's baby felcats. Like, ugh. of course. Yeah. So, what are the stories that you haven't told yet that you want to? So right now, I just finished up drafting the fourth Perilous Courts book, and there are going to be six total. So I'm. I'm currently very, like, deep in that world. Um, mm -hmm. Or more. Whatever, you know. You know, the, the this, thing sorry, is... Sorry, this is a thing I do when authors write things I like. I'm like, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Four, four, five, yeah, six, or more. The thing is, <laughs> I more. did intentionally Ten. set this series up so it could hypothetically go on infinitely. Because I can just keep adding neighboring countries with, you know, conveniently three sexy, eligible single princes. 
I I have no shame. Perfect. I have no right? like desire to make anything more realistic with okay, it seems kind of improbable that all of these neighboring countries would have three sexy single eligible princes. But no, I don't care. If I wanted to continue, as long as it's in multiples of three, um, I could keep going. But nice. currently, currently we're we're gonna end at six. Um six is I mean, I haven't written it yet, so it exists perfectly and unflawed in my head. Six is currently my favorite. Lots of lots of uh, beautiful suffering in six. But that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Now, now, I'm going to be waiting for it. <laughs> I'll say since I, I didn't come into writing fantasy romance directly from romance genre, um, there were some like, terms that i didn't know until i was already writing them like i didn't know the trope name grumpy sunshine until people were everyone was saying it in the reviews of the necromancer's light i was like oh i guess i wrote a thing um (laughs) and then i also somehow didn't know i don't know how i missed this one but i didn't know the word queer norm until people were using it to describe my books where like I don't know what that I was about means. to say I did I've never heard that so it means like a fantasy world or maybe not necessarily a fantasy world but a, a fictional world where like being queer is normalized there's not there's not like Any, deliberate like, homophobia or transphobia um like so like the in my books the queens are married and that's totally unremarked upon um there's an arranged marriage with Two dudes, totally unremarked upon. Um, I have some trans side characters who are just, I mentioned them as an author because I want it to be clear to readers that trans people exist in my worlds, but it's pretty unremarkable from the like in-character point of view. Yeah, I had not heard that term before, although I've, I mean, I've encountered that reality yeah. mm-hmm. in, in books quite a quite a bit almost yeah. entirely like it's very it's very rare for me to be approached about doing a book where homophobia and uh transphobia and any sort of stigma or discrimination exists yeah it's a lot easier to you know sink into the the fun fantasy romance when it's just a little bit better than than our world um yeah, yeah. like i wouldn't say that my my books are not my books aren't utopias, you know, like bad shit happens. Um, mm-hmm. There's, you know, assassins and um, evil blood magic and political strife. Um, I was about I, to say it's all politics. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like politics is the evil thing. Mm-hmm. There's, there's bad shit, but there's not bad shit due to homophobia or transphobia. And that was a, a deliberate choice I made. Um to make it, you know, more enjoyable for me to write and hopefully for readers. Mm-hmm. Well, those are the stories that I prefer to like that I prefer to write and to read. It's mm. like I don't there's so much of that in the real world. Like that's pure escapism for me is being able to be yeah. like elves and nobody's going to be rude about people being gay. Yeah. Like, let's just just avoid all of that personally for me. It also yeah. makes it perhaps a bit more. Like for me as the reader, it makes it easier for me to accept that there is no homophobia if there are also dragons. 
Yeah, right. Because it's like there's yeah. there's many there's many things about this world that are different than the one I live in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And therefore I am willing to suspend my my disbelief in these areas. Mm-hmm. And it makes it easier to suspend my disbelief in this thing which is essential human nature in like the world that I walk in every yeah. single day. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like there's room for a lot of different types of stories and I wouldn't say that you know, my way is the best way. It's just the the kind of story I want. You to can tell. say that. Yeah, this is the place to say that. Your way is the best right. way. Everybody go yeah. buy her books. Per, per my you know rigorous observation of the literary landscape, my way is clearly best. Um, yeah. But you know, there's there's a huge value in just writing entertaining books. You know, I get mm-hmm. occasional reviews that are like, "Hey, I just." like lost myself in your book for a day and it got me through a really hard week. And I get uh, emails from guys occasionally thanking me for, you know, writing fantasy books with people like them. Um, what guys said, like, these are the books I wish I had when I was growing up, which made me, you know, have to sit back and like take a moment. Um, it was you know, really meaningful for me that he, you know, made the effort of telling me that. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, sometimes I get into this mindset where I'm like, oh, I'm just writing silly romance novels, but those are, those are pretty important for people. Yeah. I think that some of the best feedback an author can get is that exact thing where even if it's just, you know, I had a hard week and this made my week easier, like, or, the ones that really like punch you in the heart are the ones where they're like, oh, I had cancer and like I'm laying in bed. I couldn't do anything. So I listened to your audiobook so I could laugh. And I'm like, OK, I'm going to go lay down and cry because that was yeah. the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's amazing to get those kind of those tags or emails or whatever. And I think it's easy for us as romance authors to forget when we're in the middle of editing and we're putting out silly stuff, or we're making our marketing, we're like beautiful sad boys who fall in love with each other but those stories we we needed those out in the universe so we Mm -hmm. made them happen and then you know it it resonates with people it changes people's day from a very very bad day to that made them laugh and feel a little bit better when everything's kind of shitty sometimes so yeah and it's easy to forget too like how recent this movement is mm-hmm. like we're 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 firmly entrenched in it now but like 15 20 years ago like walking into a bookstore and seeing a gay romance was not thinkable right like i could not think of it you know and then now knowing that like there is a world uh, there was there was like this world of indie authors who were like creating this and I just wasn't aware of it like it almost makes me mad <laughs> you know and it makes me mad that more gay men don't read these books okay. because I think they would love them but like to to let your guard down enough to like try something that we internalized for so long is like being a bad thing about us and our lives and like having to stay quiet about it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, I wish more gay men read gay romance. <laughs> I think it'll get there. Maybe like it, yeah. it takes a long time for mm-hmm. culture shifts to happen. So 
I also like, I just want to say, since I have you, like how much I appreciated that, like, especially in book one, uh, but as the books have continued as well, like you include different body types um, and different like characterizations of like what a queer man can be and sound like and look like. Like the fact that Whisper didn't have to be like a big gruff guy. Mm-hmm. Like that was also one of the things that drew me into the story very early on because I was just happy to know that I wouldn't have to do a whole book like this. <laughs> you know? Here's here's another this isn't really a secret because I've said this on Patreon and on Facebook before, but I really like height differences. So I actually I force myself to plan out my um protagonist heights in advance so I don't just default to a 12 inch height difference for every single couple. So <laughs> I I do force the uh body diversity on myself because otherwise they will all be six three and five three mm-hmm. if i'm just left, listen in this fantasy if I'm world to my own devices that's just right. what it'll be <laughs> in this fantasy world men have two heights yeah. there's only two options <laughs> exactly exactly um maybe that'll be my <laughs> next series part of the magic system <laughs> it, it's yeah, the right. it's the new um omega verse instead of alphas and omegas it's six threes and five threes <laughs> Um, the talls and the slightly yeah. less talls. <laughs> talls and yeah. smalls. Talls, um, and smalls. talls and smalls. Oh my god! Oh god! Did we just create a genre? We I might have. So. We might have. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us more about your Patreon. Like, when did that get started? And people who want to get involved, like, what's going on behind behind that Patreon wall? Yeah. So I I very optimistically started it before I published the Necromancer's Light. So I was thinking, you know, if this takes off, if this takes off, I want to just be ready. And it let me, um, you know, get started on writing bonus content as I went instead of, you know, maybe if I had waited until last year to start it, then I'd be like, well, now I have to write a bunch of stuff. And now I just have a, an easy backlog. So um, on Patreon, I post chapters for my work in progress every week. So my patrons have gotten the first 15 chapters or so of Prince and Bodyguard already. Um, And that's like my rough draft. It's readable, but there are already scenes that I know I'm going to take out or change. Chapter one is going to be completely different. So they get um, like the behind the scenes, like nobody else gets to see this because it's going to be gone in the final version sort of deal. And I do um, a bonus story every month that um, certain tiers get to vote on what I write. So past bonus stories have been um, Rakos and Bellamy from Prince in Disguise doing like sexy pirate role play, except they are about as good at pretending to be a pirate and a captive as they were at pretending to be a farmer and a minstrel. So it's very silly and arguing over whether they pretend to have a peg leg or not. Um, <laughs> I love that. And then Julian and Whisper get a relaxing, sexy beach vacation. Um, and then there's some like original stories too, like a, a warlock who's trying to summon a fearsome demon, accidentally summons a cat boy instead. So, you know, a lot of lot of interesting content. Um, and yeah, you know, they get cover reveals and title drops earlier than anyone else and i i just really like it as a like i'm not 
naturally inclined to social media. I don't like posting and having to hope that the algorithm takes my posts to people. I like just, you know, chatting with people, not worrying about whether it will reach their email inboxes or not. Like it's more of like a chill private space. So I enjoy it. I hope that my patrons enjoy it too. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's been well, really I think fun the for conceit me. Is, <laughs> yeah, I think the conceit is that if they didn't, they just would leave. That's yeah, true. It's sure. very so. easy to leave. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I should like put up some barbed wire or something to keep them. <laughs> or I'll just, yeah, know, that I'll, I'll keep dishing out the sexy pirate role play. I think that'll work. The content there's takes. yeah, I was gonna say that's <laughs> the content they're there for, I'm sure. <laughs> that sounds so cool. Many thanks to Tavia Lark for joining us this week. You can find out more about her work at TaviaLark.com. That's T-A-V-I-A-L-A-R-K.com. And all of her socials will be linked in the episode show notes. Book four of Perilous Courts, Prince and Bodyguard, was released in June, and the audiobook is in post-production right now, so make sure to keep your eyes peeled for that release very soon. The fifth installment of the Perilous Courts series, Prince and Betrothed, is coming this fall. And thanks to you, dear readers, for joining us for another episode of Hoof and Fang. We are loving the feedback we're getting from listeners, so feel free to reach out via any of our social media channels or email us at hoofandfangpodcast at gmail.com. Our website is hoofandfangpodcast.com, where as of today, mm -hmm. you can find a link to our Patreon page. Subscribe to support the podcast and get access to bonus content. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.